Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is another Chris. And this is episode 285. If you like games that start with the letter T, try these other games. We like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. So what you're hearing, of course, is that Anthony's not with us this week. He's off exploring the great wilderness. But thankfully, we have back-to-back double Chris's this week. My friend, and if you've listened to the episodes previously, Chris Champ. Hi, how are you doing, folks? I'm back again. (laughs) So you probably heard us talk about Chris for many, many years. Chris is one of our favorite gamers at our game group, previously spoken of as Laminating Chris, just to kind of differentiate us. And that actually came from our friend Dave, who's also been on the podcast. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he, he stuck me with that moniker fairly recently. It's always been true. Uh, I do a lot of laminating. I'm one of the people that likes to, uh, likes to laminate player aids and make them available to everyone at the table. Very nice. Yeah, it's actually the first time I ever saw somebody do that. Not just sleeve their cards, but laminate all types of player guides and different components. And just in general, keep really high quality uh, components, you know, in good shape. It's really important. I take care of my games. My games are not cheap. I want them to last (laughs) as long as possible. So, Chris, before we go into the whole episode, why don't you give us a little bit bit about you and how you got into, you know, hobby board games? Oh, it's pretty interesting. Um, uh, originally, I spent a lot of time playing computer games. Since the mid-90s, I had been playing uh, a lot of computer games. Um, I was fascinated, enamored with them. Uh, I have a Steam account. I have hundreds of games on my Steam account. But around 2012, I was kind of burnt out. Um, and I was looking for looking for a new hobby, almost, you could say. And just so happened that Amazon was running a board game sale and they were games that I was completely unfamiliar with. Now, when I was a teenager, I, I played war games, but, and I thought that those were, were, were pretty esoteric, but these games were, were fascinating. And, and one of the first games I ever purchased was Castles of Burgundy. And from that moment on in 2013, I went out and acquired, oh, almost 400 games <laughs> and I've just, I just dove right into the rabbit hole. So sure. That's what got me here. I hear you. I think you're, you're, you're with friends. We're, we're all in the pretty much the same boat. It's like, Hey, I'll buy this one game. You know what? This is nice. $10,000 later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, before you know it, you're, you know, you don't have any more room left. That's you true. Know, what happened? It's it's quite, 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 quite a bit of a, a rabbit hole. And one of the most recent rabbit holes that popped up was recently Gen Con went online. So as many of you may remember, Gen Con, because of COVID here in the U.S., shut down and they decided to do a quasi-online version of their convention. So not nearly at all as epic as their massive convention out in Indiana. But a really solid 
opportunity to learn more about games, opportunity to play some games, meet with some people out there, and it just keeps the Gen Con spirit going. So they had some Twitch streams. They had a number of different you know channels on YouTube and Tabletopia and Game Simulator, just a lot of ways to get a little hint of what's coming up. So what we wanted to do is actually give you basically a what happened at a Gen Con situation and let you know about some of those games. So let's take a look. Asmodee. Yes. They had several releases. And you have to remember, Asmodee, um, they they hold and um, manage several different publisher publishing mm-hmm. brands. So, for example, Space Cowboys, um, they have a, a, a new Star Wars uh, game from the Unlock series. It's a card-based mm-hmm. escape puzzle experience. Yes. Do you like these, Chris? Not really. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really not in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, the IP is obviously really, really popular. But um, sure. yeah, the Star Wars IP is, is, is an interesting IP, but I've never been one to, to be a collector of it. Sure. Yeah, I've played a bunch of the unlocks. They vary in complexity, you know, and difficulty. It's interesting that they would say, hey, let's stick the Star Wars IP on this. Right. I'm a big Star Wars fan. Don't know if I'm going to pull the trigger on this one, but, you know, it's interesting that they're going a new way and grabbing IPs are... It's all about the IPs. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right. They also have uh, Seven Wonders, and this is a bit controversial. Yeah. Repost Produ- uh, uh, Productions is is doing a reskin. Well, not a reskin, but they're they're doing a reprint and reimaging of Seven Wonders. So the artwork is is getting a revamp. The components are getting a revamp as well. And I guess the big thing is if you own Seven Wonders in its current incarnation, do you mm-hmm. you really want to go out and buy this? If you don't own it, it's it's a great opportunity to do so. But if you do, yeah, that's that's a much tougher call. <laughs> well, I own, I believe, all of Seven Wonders. I think I'm missing a bunch of promos. I actually have the insert. I have the coins. And when I saw this come up, I thought it was a joke, actually. In fact, I was like, oh, that's funny. They're reprinting it. I'm like, I already have my copy. Like, no, they're bigger boards. They, I, I guess, tweaked some of the boards themselves as far as like what are the wonder conditions, what are the the graphic design is is mostly similar, right? It is, but they do have a night and day version. So if you flip over to the other side, you can play a night version of this, I guess. Ooh, so it makes it even more difficult to read it. <laughs> I think I think the biggest push for this was simply the fact that they've revamp the rules and the iconography to try and make it much more accessible to new mm-hmm. players sure. and thereby increase the number of people at that that are into seven wonders absolutely From a business perspective I, I can see where that makes sense yeah and they're re-releasing leaders and uh cities which were you know yep. expansions for it as well as armada so if as, as chris said if you don't own this this is a wonderful time to pick this up for mm-hmm. me I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a huge well, Seven Wonders fan, so I have no idea. That depends. That that means you have to decide between the gamer in you and, and the collector in you. <laughs> Who's going to win? Good question. Find out <laughs> this fall. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Small World. 
Yes. World War- Warcraft. Now, this is in your wheelhouse because it is. I know you're a, you're a big small world fan. I what am. do you think of this? I heard about this coming out quite some time ago and to be honest, I really wasn't that interested even though I'm a huge Warcraft fan and a huge small world fan, so this kind of like really lines up really nicely for me. I have again almost all of small world including their super designer giant crate game so yeah i'm i'm (laughs) hardcore into this i don't know if i'm gonna pull the trigger on this honestly again like you said it's the it's the collector versus the gamer here this would have to be something that i got to play because i don't know i mean i don't know (laughs) so so question are you were you are you or were you a warcraft fan so if you this looks like it's aimed at people that may have been either one of the other or sure yeah i was i mean i'm going way back warcraft one warcraft two warcraft three frozen throne and then obviously i I did play wow uh you know the only thing that's really keeping you know the the love for the warcraft universe is alive is blizzard's recent banning of gamers that support hong kong back in the day which wasn't that long ago so uh yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one i got a feeling people who say they won't buy it will probably they'll probably crumble and get it (laughs) what are you saying chris what are you saying (laughs) (laughs) nothing is being implied all right what's next okay next we have splendor marvel hmm so what is your feelings on this, Chris? Because I think everyone knows my feelings pretty well. I have absolutely no reason to buy this. Not and... for myself. I think this is just an opportunity to glom onto a very popular IP at the sure. moment. Mm-hmm. And and they just bolted on the Marvel IP onto Splendor, which is a fine game. When sure. it came out, it was it was very popular. It's very accessible. If you don't own Splendor, you know what? If you have children that are into Marvel, this was a great way to introduce them to some of the mechanics associated with, with games that we play. And mm-hmm. it gives them another way in which they can interact with the IP. So Yeah, this I'll- is the third IP reskinning of a game that we've seen so far. So obviously this is meant for the broader market and yes. probably for the big box stores. Right, right. It, you can tell that at least from at this point that Asmodee, they're... they're their goal is to is to broaden the the type of people that are buying their games mm-hmm. beyond the core group of people that you see at these conventions. Sure, they're looking for much more of a, a general audience to get into their games, and hey, that's fine. Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. Yes, have you played any of the Pandemic Legacies, Chris? Now, unfortunately, no, I have not. Okay. I have not played any of the any of the any of the legacy iterations implementations that have come out so far. Sure. Uh, I have played Pandemic, um, mm-hmm. and and it's it's okay. It's a fine game. It's a good game. Sure. I've never played any of the Pandemic legacies. I know Anthony's a huge fan of them. Mm. I think Pandemic's okay, but it never really drew me in. That being said, all I hear is fantastic things about pandemic legacies i guess at this point because they're just 
really well done legacy games, which a lot of the legacy games are in fact not great. Right. Um, yeah, I had a, a philosophical problem with legacy games at first, because sure. considering that they're almost a one and done. Yes. Kind of approach to gaming. We play it once and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of bothered me. To me, board games are, are timeless. I, I couldn't imagine, for example, playing chess and then, you know, throwing the components away. <laughs> good game, everybody. Because, good, game. Well, you know, yeah, good game. The war's over. There you, you know? go. Did, Chris, did um, you ever play uh, Battle Chess on the computer back in the day? I did not. I thought okay. that was an abomination um, <laughs> because I was a chess player. So okay. I thought that, sure. that was too too lowbrow. Gotcha. Please. Well, that was a that was a chess game with destructible pieces. Yeah, please, so. please. <laughs> All right, what else you got for us, Chris? Fantasy Flight ah. and their usual cascade of 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 third party IPs. So, one <laughs> obviously Star Wars Armada. Yes, they have uh, new ships uh, that are going to be coming out. Mm-hmm. Keyforge, they have new decks that are going to be coming out. I've never yep. played Keyforge. Sure. Um, and again, that probably is because of its tendency to really um, focus on two-player, and I don't get a chance to play two-player games that sure. often, even though there are many that I really, really like. It, it's just not something that happens uh, for me. Sure. But um, it's a it's a popular it's a popular system. Yes. And I think that I think they can't go wrong with this. So yeah. obviously this was a good move for them. Yeah, Anthony's on the record as being a big fan. I am on the record of not being a big fan, although I do love the hilarious names that come up with. The uh, Key Ford expansion here, Mass Mutation and Dark Tidings. In particular, Dark Tidings brings in a new mechanic, high versus low tide, which changes the game up. And honestly, one of the really interesting things for me, again, because I, I love the uh, the naming and the, the decks here, right. they, actually, <laughs> they have an evil twin deck. So you will actually see evil twin versions of decks that are already out there. Uh, so if that's your thing. Okay. That's pretty novel. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. And then, like you said, Chris, Fantasy Flight with all their Armada stuff, they went Clone Wars. So if you love those capital ships for Clone Wars, they got the stuff for you. Yes. Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle-Earth. Yes. They have the Shadowed Path expansion, which is coming in mm-hmm. October, and it introduces um, some some new branching campaign uh, along with some new heroes. So if you're already into the Lord of the Rings, this is yes. obviously a way in which you can extend the gameplay. Yes. what you have and this is again another part of their ongoing massive collection so if this is your thing then you're definitely in on this i think anthony's on in on this for sure oh yeah yeah oh yeah and then of course there's marvel champions the card game yes. i have a copy of this i've yet to play it okay but right now they've had a ton of releases since since the original release mm-hmm. last year and this is the rise of the red skull it'll be out sometime in september we have some new scenarios they'll also have some additional hero packs coming out later in the year towards christmas ant-man and the wasp quicksilver and scarlet witch which are pretty cool because 
Ant-Man and the Wasp are a pair uh, in the comics, and obviously the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are brother and sister mutants, and their two decks will synergize particularly well when played together. So, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, loving that. What else do we have? Marvel, X-Men, Mutant Insurrection. This seems... (laughs) What is this? So is this a this looks like a standalone game? Yeah, <laughs> it's for it plays up to six players, and it's kind of it is a co-op. Yes, yes. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, when I first looked at this, and there's not full details out. This is going to be coming out in 2021. It reminded me of the new Simon Marvel Chibi game, where it's you move your characters around and you complete missions and stuff. This one has standees, and in fact, it has a standee-esque cardboard Blackbird where the X-Men, you know, hop off. I'm all for doing a big box version of a game for the general public, doing something for kids, even more so. This is really surprising how generic this looks, especially when I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe this is the first time that Fancy Flight has had the x-men license and this is their first game coming out so yeah not happy with this (laughs) no this looks like you know what it looks like it looks like something that would have been put out by prospero hall from ravensburger Uh, Um, i don't know this this looks prospero Hall. i think would have done a better job (laughs) (laughs) what does that tell you yeah yeah i think so yeah, that's. Oh, I would have preferred that X Men coming out in the Marvel Champions version. I know that they eventually will. Yeah, but I think they want to get their money's worth from this IP. They must be paying pretty big bucks to Disney. So, <laughs> looks like they're gonna they're gonna pump out whatever they can pump out, and and oh, whatever. <laughs> there you go, Chris. See, something yeah. to look forward to. <laughs> something to look forward to. Next, Arkham Horror: The Card Game. Now. Yes. This is the Innsmouth Conspiracy. Of course. And this plays along with their uh their LCG. Okay. So, so this yeah. is just another installment of that of that mm-hmm. yeah. popular LCG. Yes, very much so. A really nice tweak on their previous LCGs. I think they really nailed it with Arkham Horror. I'm not a big Arkham Horror fan, but the mechanics here are probably the best out of all the LCGs. Yeah. And then they also have the Arkham Horror board game. They have another, this looks like uh, Under Dark Waves that's uh-huh. coming out in September. And this is a big box expansion with two two new tiles. Yeah. So eight more investigators. So this is an expansion. Yeah. This is another, another big box expansion. You know, the, their their board game has really kind of, languished i think a little bit so it's it's pretty fantastic that they're adding something new to the mix i'm trying to breathe some life into it yeah i think the lcg really kind of brought them back so okay great mm-hmm. twilight imperium prophecy of the kings so this is a big expansion for twilight imperium this is mm-hmm. going to msrp for 100 dollars. there you go i understand some great models yes. it looks like it's going to really add a lot of variability to the gameplay. Um, there are seven new factions, 40 new system tiles. There you go. Yeah. 
I really fell in love with Twilight Imperium. I, I remember that when the third version was out, it was one of those games where you really had to have a, a complete day. You had to have like a good 10 to 12 hours to play. The fourth edition slimmed that down considerably, but I guess now with eight players, that's going to add back up. If you like purple fuchsia, if you like orange brownish, you got two new colors. I don't necessarily recommend playing with eight players, but if you can, more power to you. And there's new mech units, which look pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I again, I've talked about this a while back. Like, when we do eventually come back here in the U.S. and get to get everyone to the table, Twilight Imperium is definitely going to be one of those, you know, early games because you want to do play something epic. And I don't think there's anything more epic than Twilight Imperium with eight players. No, there isn't. Nope. Restrooms and pizza included. So, in other news... Santorini in oh. New York because Santorini by itself wasn't wasn't <laughs> quite what was expected. Sure. Santorini has been reskinned to New York. Uh, the gods have now been overlaid with bus drivers and mm-hmm. cart vendors. You get to build New York pretty much like you did in Santorini, except now you're building skyscrapers in New York. Yes. And the first player to get to the third level of a specific skyscraper and have control of the Statue of Liberty simultaneously will win the game. I, I really like Santorini. I really like Roxley Games. I, th- I think they do a fantastic job with their properties. They're a really good publisher, and, and they, they, they just do a great job. I, I really enjoy their stuff, and I have several games from them. I don't know about this one. Uh, I don't know why they thought this was a good idea. Maybe they wanted to extend the IP um, Mm -hmm. of Santorini. (sighs) We'll see. Well, you know, the thing about Santorini that it brought to the table was just this beautiful vista, this wondrous architecture that was so radically unique. And it was also a very good mechanical two-player, you know, two to four-player, basically a two-player game. So the idea of your building these white and wondrous blue buildings was just like wow just it just blew our minds so i guess it makes sense i mean new york has an iconic skyline and the statue of liberty is fantastic so i guess if there was going to be a big box version spin master version of this game to get out to the public new york does make sense so obviously they're playing to the new york to the u.s market to the north american yes um sure without a doubt if you already own Santorini, you really have to love Santorini to then go out and get this because it's Santorini reskinned. I'm I'm sure yeah, there's I some think, some differences, but yeah, I think pretty much in whole, maybe because it's 2020 and everything in 2020 has been upside down. Maybe it's because it's hard to get games out with no conventions and local friendly game stores not being able to sell and so forth and so on. That it seems like this year's productions have been mostly reproduction they're playing it safe i i can appreciate yeah that that, that kind of makes sense yeah I, I could see where 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 publishers wouldn't want to go out on a limb with some guy who comes in with a great idea and a good, <laughs> a good spiel um sure we'll go with santorini this year but thank you maybe next year all right so that's everything that happened at gen con 2020 of course there's so many many more games that squeaked out that we couldn't cover in this list. So definitely check back with us and we'll fill you in on the other games that, you know, made a mark. And if you'd like to jump in and let us know about some of those games, 
please check us out on all of our social media platforms, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, our website with articles, videos, and all of the podcasts found there from Board Games Anonymous, Every Night's Game Night, and Kicking the Habit. Also, we have a guild on Board Game Geek, and of course, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much anywhere else in social media. Definitely hit us up on Facebook. Our question of the week goes up every week. Currently, we are taking questions for our listeners episode that will be next week. So if you haven't got a chance and you want to ask us something that'll show up on next week's episode, jump on to Facebook or Twitter, hit us up there, and we'll get to your question next week. Thanks, everyone, for uh, contributing. All right, Chris, so that's everything that's happening in the industry. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are looking at if you like games that start with the letter T, and this is a little bit of a joke here because we're talking about Danielle Tushini and David Turtsey and all of their games that start with the letter T. If you know anything about them, they're all T games then you should definitely try these T games. So Chris, tell us all about the double T's and their T games. Now, these guys are are some of my favorite designers and their games, as, as Chris just mentioned, all begin with the letter T. But in addition to that, they're also extremely difficult to pronounce correctly. That's And that's why I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's part of that's that's just part of their shtick so to speak but uh let's start with with without a doubt one of my favorite games that they've done uh and this came out back in in 2012 and that would be zolkin the mayan calendar um this is a great game this game uh uses um time as its main mechanic uh wheels which are gears are interlocked on the on the board and what you do is you place your workers in in one of the gears, and at the end of each round, the gears are turned. And those gears will give you options in terms of resources to collect, uh, buildings to build, monuments to construct, and other um, options that are really, really interesting. This is a, a major brain burner. It's one of the best games available, very high ranking, 38 on BGG. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really good game. This is one of their first games. Daniel Tashini and uh, Simone Luciani. Uh, mm-hmm. Brilliant game. That's Zulkin, the calendar. Yeah, Chris, this is a modern day classic. I, I don't think there's any arguing with that. Wonderful components. The moving gears still to this day, even though the game has been out for some time, are really iconic. And it's, as you mentioned, it's like a worker displacement game. So it's never about putting your workers down. It's about when you pull them off. Right. And classic, man. Classic. Yes, without a doubt. Uh, this is a mechanic that you really don't see being used in, in any other games. Uh, and and just the tactile feel of, of turning a gear and having all the gears on the board turn simultaneously um, really um, is really fun to play. It's really fun to play, um, and I'll, I'll play it anytime the opportunity presents itself. Nice. Next would be uh, another game, also set in pre-Columbian North America, Central America. That would be Teotihuacan, City of the Gods. 
Now, this is a game, again, by Daniel Tashini. What's interesting about this game is that it is a dice management and dice placement game. Your workers are dice, and you don't roll them. What you do is you place them on the board, and as you use them, you increase the value of, of, of the die of its current of its current face value each time you 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 use it until it reaches a certain value when at which time it actually it it expires it dies your your workers age and you're using this in order to build a giant pyramid with tiles in the center of the board there are many many options there are, are technologies that allow you to break a lot of the rules in the game it's a complicated game, but it's, again, another one of those games where it has a very satisfying mechanic. It's played over the course of, of three rounds, and each round ends when there's an eclipse. It's very unique and, and a, a, one of the best designs of 2018. That's Teotihuacan, City of the Gods. Yeah, I remember when we first sat down to play this game, and they're like, oh, it's got a rondelle. And I'm like, all right, where's I don't, I don't see the rondelle. And they're like, the whole board is the rondelle. And I'm like, oh. And then, of course, the really beautiful, unique pyramid tiles that you build up throughout the game. And then the option to kind of like swap out certain locations or random locations set up. It really makes it a long lasting game. And especially with its expansion out there. Yeah, I, th I think this is going to get, all, you know, a lot of game time and actually might even be one of those games that, you know, makes it to the higher echelons of uh, board games. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. A couple of things about the game also. First of all, the quality of the components is really well done. Yes. Those tiles that you use to build the, the pyramids, they're exceptional. Not only that, but the cost of the game is also very reasonable. When you consider mm -hmm. the quality of the components and the actual cost of the game itself, it's an excellent value. Um, if you have an opportunity and, and you like games of this type of complexity, definitely pick it up. It's It's been available on discount from several online retailers uh, a few times. So next time you see it, I, I would definitely consider it. Next is the name of this game is called Trismegistus. Again, this is a game uh, by Daniel Tashini And this particular game is based on alchemy. And Trismegistus was an alchemist, a famous alchemist in the early Middle Ages. And basically what you're doing is you're, you're, you're creating from dice, you're creating different formulas and converting different elements into other elements along a track. I wasn't particularly enamored with this particular game i thought that it was just a bit too opaque and yeah. i i think i think they could have done a better job i know a lot of people that really like this game and and i see some element there are elements in the game that are really good but for me it just didn't gel like some of his other titles yeah this game was hotly anticipated by me i, I love the idea of the alchemy i love obviously the designers here it was just one of those situations where the rule book really did the game a disservice Correct. to the point where we read the rule book multiple times. We watched videos multiple times. And then even then we kind of like discovered things about the game and we had a full player count. So we were all just, you know, knee deep in, in that game, trying to figure it out. 
again, I, th- I think like you said, Chris, there is some opaqueness to it, which is, seems surprising. Like there's a lot that you're going to do. That being said, I, I really do enjoy the game a lot. I, I do think that this game is in the situation that if it pulls out an expansion that can clarify some of those things, I think it'll be a great game. Yeah, that's possible. There, 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 there may be an opportunity to, to kind of uh, fine tune some of the things that didn't work as well in the initial release. I can see that being done in an expansion. I don't know if there are plans to do so from from a designer who I really, really like. <laughs> and then next we have um, two games that have not hit the market yet, but uh, I, I have high expectations for. One is Tekenyu, Obelisk of the Sun. Uh, this game should be arriving sometime during the month of, of August, as a matter of fact. And it's again by Daniel Tashini and David Turtsey. And this game is set in ancient Egypt. And basically it, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Teotihuacan. Again, you're using dice, gives you an opportunity to, uh, use dice in an interesting way to draft these dice and then perform the actions associated with where you place the dice on the game board. It's two to four players. I've seen a couple of gameplay uh, videos of it and I ordered it immediately. So I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to, to bring it to the table when then, when that's going to be a thing again. Um, But yes, Tekenyu, Obelisk of the Sun. I I guess what's most interesting about this game again is, as you mentioned, it has some of the similar play elements that we've already seen, but again, it's built around this obelisk and you actually have this little mini obelisk in the board game itself. That's really interesting for, as far as the game mechanic is concerned, because based upon where the shadow falls, right? Cause the sun rotates around right. and then certain areas where the dice are such certain situations occur as far as sunny shaded and dark then you have a new mechanic here so it's going to be interesting let's say maybe five years from now when we take a look at all tnt's t games so to speak and see if they just built and got better or if they really deserve their own kind of special slot with the game trismegistus they they tried to do something different so they were willing to experiment which is good now that yes. doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to work as 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 you might think, mm-hmm. but a willingness to to try and do thing do different things is is something that you know I'll I'll definitely be a champion of. Tawan Tinsuyu, the Incan Empire. This is <clears throat> the last game um, in in the series. This one is going to be produced by and designed by David Turtsey. And what's interesting about this game is that. Uh, during Tan Wan Tinsuyu, players place workers in the various locations on the game board, performing actions, collecting resources like potato, mm-hmm. corn, stone, and gold, and constructing buildings, stairs, and sculpt statues, expanding their military strength, and, and collecting weavings. Uh, the game board is broken down into, in, into a, uh, five sections in a pentagon shape uh, located on a hill. When placing a worker, you have to discard a guard card, a god card, in order to be able to do that. But once placed, the worker remains on the game board for the rest of the game, which is pretty interesting. Each worker placement uh, location is connected uh, to exactly three action spaces, 
you must always perform at least one of the actions. All right. But the interesting part is that for each adjacent worker connected to your worker's location via direct path or, or one of the action spaces that matches the type of worker you just placed, you receive an additional action. The workers in the game are varied. There are five different workers and each one has a, a pretty unique ability, whether it be a warrior, craftsman, architect, courier, or priest. So all in all, what the game does, it provides a tremendous amount of, of options for you in terms of what your strategy is going to be from turn to turn. And again, it's another one of the games in in the series of games gonna is going to provide for a, a lot of thoughtful play. Yeah, this is another interesting game that seems like another one of their spiritual successors in the, in the T-series of games. Obviously, this time we're looking at a lot of meeples on the board, so... No crazy kind of obelisks or, you know, radical rondelles. It's just placing your meeples based on when they're placed and then things happen, which is always fun for us Euro gamers. So, yeah, this is supposedly coming out in October, fingers crossed. So hopefully if you're interested in this, you backed it, their pre-order. Now you'd be in good shape to kind of pick this up. So, yeah, these are the T games, the games based on the letter T with their very challenging names from uh, our two favorite designers. The, you know, the I wouldn't say that they're T brothers, but they both made some great games, Daniel Tashini and uh, David Turzi. And I know both of them are favorites of yours too, Chris, right? Absolutely. Whenever they produce a game, it will definitely get my attention. That's Tawantin Suyu, The Incan Empire, again by David Turzi. All right, so there you go. Some fantastic games from, for some great designers. Obviously, going to be hitting the table pretty soon and pretty often. So check out these fantastic games and their whole individual and collective catalog of games because they're going to have a mainstay on the table. All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Chris. And we'll save you all a seat at the table.